Welcome to episode 114 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes the object so interesting to astronomers. So, I will now run the random number generator. The coordinates for this episode are 1 hour, 33 minutes, 50.9 seconds right ascension, and plus 30 degrees, 39 minutes, 37 seconds declination. This episode's coordinates point to the galaxy Messier 33, which is often abbreviated as just M33. This galaxy is also known as the Triangulum Galaxy because it is located in the constellation Triangulum as seen from Earth, and as NGC 598, because it is the 598th object in the new general catalog, or NGC, and as a bunch of other names such as 2E409, MCG plus 05-04-069, and RBS214. But no one ever uses those names. Anyway, Messier 33 is a spiral galaxy. As viewed from Earth, the galaxy is slightly tilted, but seen nearly face-on, so we have a good view of the entire disk. Typically, spiral galaxies are described as containing a disk of stars and gas that contain the spiral arms and a spherical bulge of stars that sits in the center of the galaxy. However, Messier 33 is actually one of many spiral galaxies that contains no bulge, although the disk gets brighter in the center. Also, the structure of Messier 33 spiral arms is referred to as flocculent. Most people will think of a spiral galaxy as having two really well-defined spiral arms that form a very distinct spiral pattern, like what is seen in the Whirlpool Galaxy. But the spiral arms in Messier 33 look sort of wispy. This is actually the case for many other spiral galaxies as well. Those wispy arms contain a lot of individual bright nebulae that are the sites where stars are forming. I'll discuss those later. Messier 33 was potentially discovered by the Italian astronomer Giovanni Battista Odierna in the 17th century, who documented the existence of the object as well as several other star clusters and nebulae in 1654. However, people apparently did not pay attention to Odierno's work. The galaxy was then rediscovered in 1764 by Charles Messier, an 18th century French astronomer who spent his career looking for comets, which in 18th century telescopes looked like fuzzy things that moved across the sky. Messier was quite annoyed when he found fuzzy things in the sky that did not move so he created a catalog of them so that he could keep track of them and otherwise ignore them. And Messier 33 was the 33rd object to be listed in this catalog of definitely uninteresting non-comets. That catalog of non-comets are among the most famous objects in astronomy, 
and are much more famous than any of the comets discovered by Charles Messier. The galaxy Messier 33 is actually, according to the Simbad Astronomical Database, the 11th most heavily studied astronomical object outside the solar system. The most notable thing about Messier 33 is that it is the third largest galaxy within the local group, which is the gravitationally bound group of galaxies that contains our galaxy and the Andromeda galaxy. Consequently, at a distance of about 2.7 million light years or 0.84 megaparsecs, Messier 33 is the second closest spiral galaxy to the Milky Way. However, even though Messier 33 is a spiral galaxy, and even though it's the third largest galaxy in the local group, it's actually not that large. The Andromeda Galaxy is the largest of the three spiral galaxies, with a mass of three trillion times the mass of the Sun. Multiple measurements of the mass of the Milky Way place it at about one trillion times the mass of the Sun. Messier 33 is only half a trillion times the mass of the Sun. Given that Messier 33 is so close, it's possible with modern telescopes to study various individual objects within the galaxy. In fact, some of those objects are so interesting and so scientifically important that it would be possible for me to create several podcast episodes based on those individual objects. I'll just try to give some summary information. Messier 33 contains quite a few bright X-ray sources, but two of them are quite notable scientifically. One of those X-ray sources is named M33X7, which is an incredibly boring name. Anyway, M33X7 contains a really large blue star, 38 times the mass of the Sun, and a black hole with a mass of 11.4 times the mass of the Sun that are in orbits around each other. The orbital periods of the two objects in this system are a very short 3.45 days. The two objects are so close that the outer layers of the really large blue star are being gravitationally stripped away by the black hole. As the gas falls into the black hole, it gets gravitationally compressed and really hot, thus producing X-ray emission. These types of star systems are called high-mass X-ray binaries, and they are seen in both our galaxy and other galaxies. But what is unique about M33X7 is that the orbits of the two objects are arranged in such a way that, as seen from Earth, the two objects eclipse each other. This has allowed for making a lot of measurements of the two objects in the star system that would not be possible in non-eclipsing X-ray binary systems. The other really interesting X-ray source, Messier 33, was given the boring name of M33X8. This is the closest ultraluminous X-ray source to Earth. An ultraluminous X-ray source is defined as an object that produces a total amount of X-ray emission exceeding 10 to the 32nd power watts, or to use the units used in professional astronomy, 10 to the 39th power ergs per second. Many of these ultraluminous X-ray sources are expected to be X-ray binary star systems, which are very bright because gas is falling into the black holes in these systems at extremely rapid rates. And since M33X8 is so close to Earth, it has been used to study this type of phenomena in more detail. 
Aside from the X-ray sources in Messier 33, the other objects that are really interesting are the locations where stars are forming out of the interstellar gas within the galaxy. Messier 33 contains a lot of these star-forming regions, but the location which is forming stars the most rapidly is called NGC 604. This looks like a really big nebula in the northeastern part of the disk of the galaxy. NGC 604 is, in fact, the second largest star-forming region in the local group. Star formation appears to have started about 4 million years ago, and the region appears to have created a number of stars with a total mass of about 160,000 times the mass of the Sun, which could be thought of as being very roughly equivalent to 160,000 stars. The bright blue stars in this region have also ionized some of the surrounding gas and heated up the dust within the interstellar medium. Consequently, this region is very well studied by people who want to understand extreme star formation. I've actually made a few images of the infrared emission from the interstellar dust in Messier 33, and NGC 604 is the brightest infrared source within the galaxy. However, I have actually spent much, much more time working on observations from the Atacama Large Millimeter Slash Submillimeter Array, or ALMA, of submillimeter wavelength emission from carbon monoxide from interstellar gas in NGC 604, as well as a couple of other star-forming complexes within the galaxy. As part of my professional work, about once a year, I have a data processing project that, for one reason or another, takes up an inordinate amount of time and effort which I think of as my annual data processing project from hell. The OMA observations of NGC 604, as well as the other two star-forming regions in Messier 33, were my data processing project from hell for the year 2020. Processing the OMA data took me a couple of months, for multiple reasons. First of all, I needed to make really large image cubes for each field at three different frequencies, each of which covered emission from carbon monoxide at a different frequency. Just to explain what image cubes are, ALMA and telescopes like it don't just observe at one single frequency, but at multiple frequencies at once. So it's possible to stack the images from each frequency to make cubes where two dimensions correspond to dimensions on the plane of the sky, and the third corresponds to frequency. The image cubes I made had dimensions of either 900 by 900 by 750 pixels, or 1000 by 1000 by 750 pixels, which took a lot of time and computing power to make. Second, the imaging step required identifying where all of the real astronomical emission is coming from to remove the noise from the other regions. Since I was looking at small locations within the disk of a very nearby galaxy, the emission from the interstellar molecular gas was all over the place, and the automatic source identification program didn't work very well. So I needed to do this step manually and that meant doing it 750 times for the 750 frequencies in each image cube. Third, I tried combining data from two different subarrays within ALMA, one of which imaged the small-scale emission and one of which imaged the large-scale emission. But the subarrays covered different regions on the sky, so I ended up with weird effects when I tried to combine the data from the two subarrays. 
molecular clouds that look skinny closer to the center of the final images would look really fat at the edges of the images. I eventually gave up trying to do this. Anyway, with all of these problems, you can understand why it took me a couple of months to create the final image cubes. So, just to wrap things up, here are some tips on how you yourself can observe Messier 33 without going through two months of data processing hell. Messier 33 lies in the constellation Triangulum, but the easiest way to find it would be to first find the constellation Andromeda, which to me looks like a cone-shaped thing attached to one end of the Great Square in the constellation Pegasus. The stars Beta Andromedae, Mu Andromedae, and Nu Andromedae form a line of stars spanning from one side of the cone to the other, and the Andromeda galaxy lies right next to New Andromedae. Estimate the distance from Beta Andromedae to New Andromedae, and then go the same distance in the opposite direction from Beta Andromedae to find the approximate location of Messier 33. Messier 33 is identified by some references as the most distant thing that can be seen without a telescope although it will be barely visible as a very faint fuzzy object. With a pair of binoculars or a small telescope, the galaxy will look like a faint oval with a size slightly more than twice the diameter of the moon. Using a telescope with a large aperture and a low magnification eyepiece, it's possible to begin to see the spiral structure within the galaxy. Since the galaxy looks relatively wide but faint, don't try to observe this galaxy using high magnification. The galaxy will look too spread out, and it will be difficult to see anything. So that's my summary of Messier 33, and the location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the position of Messier 33 in the sky is an area in the desert in eastern Libya, slightly more than 160 kilometers south-southwest of Tobruk. If you have been paying any attention to all of the events in Libya, you would know that Libya has been undergoing a civil war for over a decade at the time of this recording. The location corresponding to the position of Messier 33 would fall under the control of the Libyan National Army, which has consolidated power in the eastern part of the country. But this spot in the desert really doesn't have any strategic importance so I think it might be a good place to avoid all of the chaos and violence in the country and just enjoy watching galaxies pass overhead. The website for this podcast is www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can visit the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is Immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesound Project at www.freesound.org. Thanks for listening. 